Hey everybody, welcome to episode 174 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung, for this, what will be a different episode for us today, as I have a special guest, Coach Jen Howard-Brown, who is a coach with us here for Rogue, with Rogue in Austin, and we're really addressing this episode to our community, specifically here in Austin, Dallas, and New York. And those who train with us virtually through the podcast group as we've had to make significant changes in how our business model operates due to the ongoing spread of the coronavirus. We'll talk about all that today. I am releasing this episode publicly, though, because I want not only other running groups to know how we're handling this and how we're operating in this current world order, but also because... I think that the tips that we provide in this episode will be helpful for all, and I will certainly invite anybody who wants to join us in what has become a new virtual world for us to do so, and I'll give you information on how you can do that as we go. But before we jump in, Jen, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. I'm hibernating out in my little hill country cocoon, um, trying to stay safe. Yes, we are recording this remotely to practice all the appropriate social distancing measures that everybody should be practicing. So we can't see each other, but we can hear each other. It's good to have you with me, Jen. Thanks. Before we jump into the main topic, though, I wanted to get a little background on you. Mm -hmm. First, just start with you as as a runner, and then we can talk about Jen as a coach. So, um, so as a runner, I've, I've been training with Rogue for, I don't know, I think 13, 14 years or so, and been in a variety of different training groups and currently training in the um, base building group that you and Jason are coaching. So I'm kind of taking my training back a few notches, um, run uh, 21 marathons. I've done all the world majors. I've done some great things over time, but my training has had some setbacks and um, I'm finding it, you know, really helpful to go back to the basics, which actually might help some of the people we're talking to today. You're in our base training program right now that we're doing virtually through the podcast. Yep. Absolutely. And then as a coach, um, so I've been coaching for Rogue for 11 years. I don't know where that time has gone. And uh, I coach one of our satellite groups in Northwest Austin called Rogue's Gen and Tonics, a really, really great group that I am sorry I won't be able to coach in person today, but uh, but they're, they're prepared. A couple of them have already done their workout for today. Let me ask this question, Jen. When you started running back in the day, why? What drew you to it? Uh, at the time, it was my competitive nature. I was, um, I'd been running for several years. I was improving, but I wanted to test my limits and see how far I could go. And um, so I joined Rogue to basically just to see how far, how far, how much I could improve and how far I could push myself over time. And um, you know, I'd say even that from that first rogue running group. And then over the next few years, you know, my eyes opened to a potential that I didn't even know was there. You know, at the time I, I thought there's no way in the world I could qualify for Boston and red Boston. And then, you know, within a couple of years, that was a real possibility. And then I achieved it and then I ran, you know, so it was just, um, 
yeah, it was, it started out as the competitive side of me and then it became my family, uh, my social outlet. I mean, some of my best friends today are people that I, I met through rogue either in that first, first running group or, or within those first couple of years. What keeps you doing it today? How has it evolved? I think today it's, you know, I'd say, especially with what's going on right now, it's, it's my sanity. It's my stress relief. It's my, um, my way to just kind of be in control and at one with nature, you know, kind of just be within myself and slow down, um, slow down and block out the rest of the world. I'd say, especially right now, you know, running solo, I'm fortunate that I am a person who I like to run with people, but I also like to run by myself. I know not everybody feels that way. Some people really need their people to run. Um, I get a lot of peace from it. And as a coach, what does that do for you? Yeah. So coaching is even better. I, I feel like, you know, as an athlete, your, your success, you know, if you're measuring your success by races and by performance, you know, you can only have one or two of those successes a year at best. Um, at least when you're marathoning as a coach, you get to have all of these successes. You get to be part of everyone else's success along the way. And I've got a killer group of athletes. They're just, they're so motivated and they're so dedicated and they exceed my expectations. I make up crazy, crazy workouts for them. And then they do it. And I think, well, maybe that wasn't so crazy. I'll make up something more crazy next time. Um, so I just, I get a lot of pride and personal satisfaction in seeing them succeed. And you've had, you've had quite a few ups and downs through the years. I know that I've observed yeah. from the outside from injury that you, a particular injury you dealt with for a really long time to other ups and downs in your personal life that have affected your running. What has kept you going through those difficult times? Yeah. I mean, for, for those, those who don't know. So yes, I, I made a decision to run Boston injured. It set me back three years. I mean, it really, I, you know, I'd sat in the doctor's office crying about it. And he said, look, would, you know, if you knew what was going to happen, would you do it again? And yes, I would. So, you know, I remember telling him yes. And he's like, all right, then we got to get over this. So, you know, I'm a stubborn athlete, like many of our athletes are. And um, I made the decision to do it. it. It set my training back significantly to the point where I don't know if I'll ever get back to that fitness. But I'm darn sure going to keep trying. Um, so I think now that you know, once I got physically healthy where I could train, I got back to training and then kind of had, you know, some ups and downs in life with, uh, with my husband's health. And many people who listen to this probably do know Scooby. Um, but you know, he has, he's, he's battled cancer twice and I think it's given us, a and, and succeeded both times. I should, I just should probably pause there first. Mm -hmm. he, he's yeah. beat it twice. Um, but especially the second time, it was really grave. I mean, it was really, really grave situation. And, you know, that put a lot of stress um, on both of us. But, you know, I still had the ability to train. And I, I'd say I ran, but I didn't train. You know, I, I ran just in order to keep my own sanity, but I, I 
I really wasn't able to manage, you know, training program and keep focused on, on my own performance. Um, and so, you know, I, I think it taught me though, to look at running differently. Like we, we get different things out of it at different times in our life. There was a time when for me, it was all about performance and all about competing with myself to get to that next level. And now it's more of for joy. It's for my own peace. It's to get outside. It's to spend time with other people or usually, <laughs> you know, right now it's to spend time with my dog. Um, so yeah, so I, I think it's just, I, I use running. It's a tool in my toolkit um, for coping and for, for enjoyment. Yeah. And I think the cool thing about some of your history with us as Rogue, I mean, you've been around Rogue longer than I have with that 14 year plus history. What have you seen from the community through the years that has been so powerful in keeping you connected to it? That's, that's the coolest thing about Rogue. I mean, many of those people you know, it's the same people over the years. We add more people in year after year, you know, new people come in, but a lot of those same people that, you know, were training 13, 14 years ago are still training with rogue. Now, like me, they may have different goals. Um, but there's something really special about rogue. I mean, it is, it is a community. It is a family and, you know, that, that's what's kept me there. And like, like I mentioned, you know, some of my best friends, even now that they've moved to other places or, you know, maybe their running goals are very different these days. They're still like some of our best friends that, you know, we talk to constantly. And so, um, and I mean, you and Amy are examples, right? Y'all are my family. Your kids are my family. So I, I think Rogue just, it's a really special community. And I hope that our podcast community kind of gets some of that, um, some of that connection as well. Like we're all connected by this thing, but it, it turns us into different people and it turns into something bigger. Yeah. That's the magic of it. And as someone who has not only through the podcast broadly, but also through our podcast training group, who has seen that community develop in different ways beyond our in-person groups. It's there, it's palpable, people are connecting to it and it's really cool to see. And I think now is a time as we move into this hopefully temporary virtual world that we'll be able to even extend that further as those in-person boundaries fall and we are able to promote interaction across locations, across groups, across geographies and ways that we never have before because we've had to make some tough calls. And just wanted to start by, as we transition into our discussion here, Jen, start by just giving people a little bit of a timeline in terms of how things have progressed for us as a business as we've responded to the escalations with the coronavirus. Things and we're in Austin, Texas, so we're in the central U.S. We didn't have any confirmed cases for the coronavirus until last Thursday, which is, as we record this, really only about five days ago. A week prior to that, we made the decision to send out a communication to everybody, primarily letting them know that we were monitoring the situation and encouraging anybody that was showing symptoms to stay home. 
So that was basically a, a week ago Friday. We sent that message on March 6th. Then last Friday, March 13th, and really in the days coming leading up to that, we had started to make the decision to move all of our groups from our inter- interior facilities to meeting only outside without this, without the use of water coolers and only using handheld carrying devices, personal carrying handhelds. So we made that decision last Friday the 13th and then yesterday, Monday the 16th, after further escalations and after counsel from the White House to shut down all groups that were of size 10 or more, we decided to basically suspend our in-person groups indefinitely and we'll continue with that protocol as long as we need to and we'll follow the advice of of the authorities along you know for looking to return to those groups i do know that yesterday in the city of austin or sorry this morning in the city of austin the mayor just prohibited groups of 10 or more subject to a thousand a $1000 fine and i know other cities around the country in the us are following suit with that and there are others that are already further along than that. For example, San Francisco is now in a shelter-in-place situation in the sense that, which basically means that you can't go outside at all except for only necessary trips. And places like Italy, France, Spain, and others are on lockdown beyond what we've already seen here in the interior U.S. And so obviously this is a really situation, a really serious situation that's only escalating further. And what we're trying to do is do our part to, you know, not only separate people, you know, from group gatherings, but also to encourage people to practice what they're calling extreme social distancing, which is essentially limiting your in-person interactions to only those you live with and, you know, maybe two, maybe one or two others to try to limit the spread of the virus one of the things that hits hit that hit, that hit home for me over the weekend as I've continued to be educated on this topic is the fact that there's increasing evidence that the virus is spreading from asymptomatic individuals in ways that we can't see for you know two to fourteen days um, on the incubation period for the virus and so that sort of is a really scary thing you can't tell who's sick essentially or who can spread the virus based on symptoms alone, which makes this a really dangerous situation. And so we really should be treating everybody as if they're symptomatic by keeping the appropriate distance, washing our hands, doing all of those things we need to do. And if we do that and do it with the right measures now, then hopefully we can limit the length of time in which we have to operate in this way. So, that's what I know. I'll link to some articles in the show notes to kind of point to some of the evidence along these lines, but it's really, really important that we all essentially go into as much lockdown as we can. And the sooner we do that, the hopefully the shorter the duration of this will be. As you've been trying to digest the news yourself, Jan, as someone who I know who is really digs deep on these things when information goes out, what have your reactions been? What are the nuggets you've pulled from the, the media that you think are 
interesting or relevant right now? Yeah, I think, um, you know, one of the points that you hit on was, and I've heard this from my athletes too, of like, I'm far less worried about me contracting the virus. I'm healthy. I'm strong. I, I, you know, feel like I could probably beat it, but I am exponentially worried about spreading it to someone else um, and not knowing it. Right. I mean, I have an 84 year old father-in-law and I don't want him to leave the house right now. Like I'm very worried about, about him. Um, so, you know, I think, but to answer your question, I think, um, you know, at first I was watching too many news cycles and, and, you know, I am convinced that that sort of begets a little bit of panic and hysteria. And so I had to, you know, kind of ration myself, like, yes, I need to stay informed, but what I'm really looking for is for them to tell me when it's going to be under control, when it's going to be over, and they're not going to do that. They can't, right? So I think that was a big takeaway for me was watch enough to be informed, but also limit um, the amount that I'm watching. Yep. You know? Yeah, it's easy to get overwhelmed for sure or to get anxious, stressed, and stressed. You know, the I think part of the challenge right now is that I don't, unfortunately, feel like we're getting the right guidance from our elected officials on how we should be responding. And I get that part of that's because they don't know either. We're all figuring it out as we go. Yeah. But I still think there is a little bit of a void in leadership from particularly elected officials in terms of how we should be responding. And so that void, fortunately, is being filled in other ways by media outlets, by certain doctors that you can find via the interwebs, by businesses that are taking leadership roles, by certain specific elected officials that are reacting a little bit faster than others. And hopefully we can coalesce all of that to try to figure out what's the right thing for us to do. You know, again, I'm not an expert, but if I were advising my friends on this or people in our in our world, you know, my best advice is one, practice extreme social distancing. That's the only way to really stop this thing is to separate ourselves from others. Keep your groups really, really small. Again, limit those to those you live, maybe one or two others that you might run with, but but not more than that. And when you do run with others that are outside of your household, practice social distancing, wash your hands before and after, be really smart about how you're managing those interactions, keep them outside, of course, as much as possible, because it is thought that UV light makes the virus quickly unstable. And again, keep those groups small. So that's my number one piece of advice. Second piece of advice is don't panic in terms of hoarding irrational things. You know, there's a lot of that happening. Obviously, we've seen all the toilet paper memes and, you know, but it extends to other things as well. You know, the the grocery pipeline, supply pipeline, it is believed will continue and will be there and will be stable. And while they might have to limit the flow of individuals into and out of the grocery stores, we believe that those will be there. There's no need to go and get three weeks worth of anything at this point from what, you know, the guidance I've seen is telling. So be prudent buy what you need for short windows of time at this point so that everybody can get what they need. And if we do that, then 
the flow of supply will follow and we'll be able to go back as needed to get the things that we need. So that's my second piece of advice. My third piece of advice is try to keep your mind off of it as much as possible. Stay active because physical fitness is important during this time. And and taking the mind off of things is also important as a stress reliever. Try to get as much sleep as you can. Spend time connecting with those that you can connect with in your in your family or household units and do things, play board games, watch Netflix specials together or uh, Netflix marathons together, play, play outside, do what you can to take your mind off of it so that we can keep the stress levels low. Those aren't perfect bits of advice because I know there's more to it, but those are kind of the three things I'm focused on. You know, I think the other part of exercise, and we'll talk about this in a minute, is that you don't want to overdo it right now. We want to make sure that we're doing manageable levels of activity. You can certainly do hard workouts, but you don't want to go to the well at this point as you don't want to do anything that might compromise your immune system and make you more susceptible to illness of any kind, not just coronavirus, but any kind, because we don't need to put any more strain on the health resources at this point than they're already seeing. So that's my advice, Jen. Anything you would add to that? Yeah, a little bit. I, I completely agree with you. I mean, obviously there's the, you know, the hand washing and the sanitizing tips, right? For sure. But I, I'm with you. I think we have to focus on a healthy mindset, stepping away from the TV, staying active. And there are a lot of ways we can do that. I mean, I think this, you know, sort of um, quarantine mode opens up the possibilities. I know we've, we've done some fun ones. There's a rogue who's also a personal trainer. Um, and she posted a, a great workout on Instagram yesterday, right? Did it, did it with, we did it with her. Um, soon we'll have the, the rogue virtual resources, but you know, there are great apps. So straight download, um, Peloton and use their app for a strength workout or a yoga workout or headspace for a meditation or stream a yoga workout from, from Netflix. Like there's a lot of ways that we can, or simply just get outside, right? Run, walk, hike, anything. Um, I think my other one is um, have some fun. <laughs> like I think a lot of people are, are missing that. You, you mentioned playing games, but um, I know I meant to text Amy about this, but DJ Mel did a living room dance party set over Instagram, which is pretty cool. So I think, you know, having a little dance party. Um, last night, me, Scott, and another friend were all in different locations. We played the voice together remotely through the app and competed with each other. So like, we can still have some fun. Um, and then the last one that I had on my list was paying it forward. I mean, there's a lot of research that shows that gratitude and doing something for someone else serves us well and helps in times of strength, stress, or anxiety, right? So, you know, it could be as simple as like, calling or texting or reaching out to maybe that elderly person who lives two doors down or um, your bestie who lives in San Francisco that is on basically, you know, kind of house arrest right now um, uh, to, I don't know, you know, I made my mission this week to help get this one-year-old puppy rehomed. And I think I have a home for her, you know? So I think something like that, that just, it gives you that little, um, that little boost of endorphins or that little, serotonin lift to make you feel better and feel a little bit more in control right now. Yep. All good tips and, you know, reach out and support those that, 
are having difficulty right now. There are obviously lots of members of the service community, restaurants, bars, wait staff, all of those individuals are struggling. Small businesses are struggling. And, and as our medical providers in terms of how they can either help if they're on the front lines of it or potentially even keep their offices open during this time. So there's a lot of people out there that are, this is, you know, hitting really hard and, you know, that's, not going to get better for a little bit of time. And I think there's lots of ways going around about how we can support those people. I did see that from one of our members who is works with Facebook, that Facebook is now offering a hundred million in grants to small businesses to provide support, you know, for the businesses that are struggling during this time. And there's an application process for that, which I will post in the show notes. So, many opportunities to support in ways that you can. And I think if you're a member of a community like ours or a gym or a yoga studio, to the extent that you can financially stay in and support them as members, that's going to become really important for us. We're moving our membership to a virtual platform for the time being, which will include a host of things, including workouts that they can do on their own, as well as a virtual strength program that they'll be able to follow So we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. Anybody who wants to join us in that, who needs a virtual community to join, then I'll have a link for you to to jump in with us. If you need the support of a running program right now and or a strength program or a community that you can rally with. So this is a time to, to rally together and do what you can to the extent that you have resources to support. Let's go to the meat of our discussion here, Jen, which is that I want to talk about running. (laughs) I mean, this is a running podcast. (laughs) We've talked about a lot of things virus related, but this is obviously a difficult time because it seems like every race is being canceled between now and probably the end of May, maybe longer. And some races already, you know, in early May have been canceled, such as the Vancouver half marathon and full marathon those things are being canceled and probably prudently so. So it's unlikely that many of us will be able to race in the spring and, you know, fingers crossed that it doesn't continue beyond that, but we don't know at this point. And so naturally it raises this question for many about what do I do now? And two, you know, how do I stay motivated when my race is gone? As often that becomes the carrot for us. So right now we want to talk about that, you know, staying motivated. We're going to kind of make the case for staying motivated and consistent. We're going to talk about how and some of the mental things you can do to, to stay focused. And then lastly, we're going to talk about a little bit about what that looks like from a training standpoint, not necessarily in specific, but in how you could potentially structure your training right now to get the most out of these months. So we'll start with the case for staying motivated. And I want to start by just telling a little bit of a story myself about a time when I was training without a race that became, I think, one of the more formative periods of training for me, which is that, and I think some have heard this story before on the podcast, which is that when I, we had our first child, Finley, who's now 11, which is crazy, but he was born in January of 2009 and that time from January, 2009 until November of 2009, I didn't run more than maybe five times. 
the you know life was in kind of upheaval with a new baby in the house i was traveling at the time for work in a rigorous corporate job and it life was just in a place where i couldn't quite figure out how to make it all work and sleep and support my family and do the job i needed to do at the same time and so literally between january 2009 and november 2009 i ran maybe five times i've told this story before on the podcast but over Thanksgiving that November, I was at home, or at least at my parents' house in Tyler, Texas. There were people around to, to help support the, the, the baby, and so I was able to get out for a run. I asked my dad for a five- or six-mile route, and he gave me one. I went for a run and in a, in, a, in a hilly city of Tyler and was completely just knocked on my butt right away. And it got to the point where halfway through that run, I had to stop and walk because I was feeling all the effects of not having trained for, for nine or 10 months and, you know, had a really depressing first few minutes of walking there where I was thinking, man, there's no way I'm I'm a shell of my former self. There's no way I'll be able to do what I had done before. But that quickly transformed into motivation and I decided that that would be the turning point for me. And that did become a turning point. That run basically propelled me into a new mode and a new, new sort of place paradigm of motivation in my life. And I was committed to figuring it out, making it work. And really from that point forward, I was able to start putting consistent training back together. Well, fast forward a month and I joined Rogue for the first time, joined Team Rogue. And this was before I became involved with Rogue as an owner or as a coach, just got involved with Team Rogue, started training with the groups and was in conversations with Steve and Ruth, the original founders, and Carolyn to get involved in a bigger way, but started just by training with the groups. And so everybody in that time, starting in that month, were were training primarily for Boston. I believe some were doing uh, Eugene as well. And... And so I started that training block with them, basically kind of beginning the build to that, to those spring races. But I wasn't qualified for Boston at the time, so couldn't do Boston. And I didn't want to put a race on the calendar until I knew that my training would kind of take shape again. And so I did a whole five months of training with the group without having a destination race without having a goal. And everybody would ask me, they'd say, Chris, what are you training for? What are you training for? You get that question all the time in these environments. And the answer was, I don't know. (laughs) Nothing yet, because I wanted the benefit of getting a training block and that consistency under my belt without having the disruption of a race or without having the specificity and rigor or a rigidity of a goal. And so I trained for that whole block without having a, a race and I didn't do a race and everybody did Boston or Eugene or other races. And, and I was able to, without having to taper, without having to have a post-race recovery period, just keep training. And I kept training on through and I rolled into a fall training block straight away. And looking back on that now, it was to me, one of the most formative training blocks I've probably ever had you know, doing a block without having a race 
because it allowed me to be consistent, allowed me to train through, it allowed me to focus on the habits that I needed to put in place to get back into a consistent world. And I was able to do that. And then I went and raced the, I believe it was Philly Marathon in November the following year. And I had a pretty good result there. But I point to not only that Philly result, but also to really all the results I've had since then. I point back to this one training block that became really formative and not only building my consistency again, but also just having this consistent, what ended up being almost year-long block of training without the disruption of a big race or marathon that now I carry with me still today, almost 10 years later. So that's a little story about how a training block without a race affected me. But as you talk about the case Jen, for having a block like this, even though it's forced, Mm -hmm. what would you tell people? So I, I too, um, now obviously I'm in the base building uh, group right now, but, but I'm not finding this frustrating. I had a block like you're talking about, uh, years ago and I did have a, a race at the end of it. It was, it was Ruth, but it was this guinea pig group where we were doing, um, heart rate based training. And so it was four to five months. Every single run was solo, um, a good amount of distance, but using this heart rate training approach where if your heart rate got to a certain, um, certain, you know, beats per minute, which it did because it was a very low number, you were to stop and walk and you had to walk for several minutes until your heart rate dropped to like 20 beats. And then you could start again. And as soon as it hit that number again, you had to oh my God, talk about maddening, really, really, really difficult way to train, right? Especially when everyone else around you is running normally. I kind of put that in quotation marks, but I agree. The end of that, that was like such a pivotal building block in my training. And I had years of gains from that. Um, And it was because, it wasn't because of that specific method, but it was because it was solely base building aerobic work. Right. And so I think that the challenge we're facing right now gives it actually could help our athletes have even better seasons at their next races. Right. If they take a look at where they are fitness wise right now, and I know it's frustrating when a race gets canceled and you're in your prime fitness. Right. That there's nothing more frustrating than that. Um, You know, I think in the past we've had it where it's been more like weather cancellations or things like that. So it's frustrating, right? Okay. Acknowledge that. Be mad, be sad, you know, whatever, whatever the feels are, feel all the feels about it, but then look at what this could do for you. And I think if, if our athletes, you know, take a step back and look at it as what an opportunity this is and how this is going to leapfrog or um, step function their progress in the fall by adding in things like, um, you know, just the fundamentals. Maybe it's more, just more base building, more aerobic work, less anaerobic work because they're not running with their buddies and, you know, ego isn't getting in the way where they're having to outdo them. Um, There's a little more time on people's hands right now. Add in that strength and flexibility work that we need for mobility gains that 99% of us would much rather go run an extra hundred miles than do, right? 
Um, so I, I think that this is a real opportunity once we get over the, the kind of frustration of the situation. For sure. That point about feeling, feeling all the feels, I think is really important. Just like if you have a bad race, you got to feel all the feels. I think in this situation of having a canceled race, you got to do the same. It's frustrating. It's maddening. It's, you know, makes you feel like you've wasted effort and work. So definitely feel those things. Give yourself the time to feel it as it comes and then move on to the more logical thoughts, which are some that you mentioned, some that I mentioned earlier. And, and just this reminder that all the work that we do is formative. You know, any block of training that's consistent is going to be with you, not just for that period of time that you're doing it, but also for many years to come. And this is an opportunity to either build for the future or if you're you know, if you let the motivation slip and start to skip runs, then you're potentially, you know, affecting where you can be in the fall. Not that, you know, I want to, you know, be too hard on anybody that that happens because I completely understand. And there will also be some people like those in San Francisco who can't even train outside. And yeah. so they're doing, having to do what they can to just, you know, stay moving in an interior environment. And if you don't have a treadmill or Peloton at home, then you're going to have to figure out other ways. And if you can't train aerobically though, you can still train in other ways, you know, get your heart rate up by doing at home strength routines or other ways to stay mobilized and, and to move. And I would just be creative in all the ways that you can do that right now, because this will be formative. Sorry, I was going to add one thing that neither of us said, was, which is um, which is fundamental to everything we believe, which is remember your why. Like, remember why they do this. They don't do this because of this one race, right? That's just a piece of the, of the puzzle. So if they remember their why, I think that's a key way to stay motivated. Yep, I love that. The, the last thing I'll say on this sort of case for staying motivated is the fact that it all matters. And by the way, we're only 25 and a half weeks away from the new Boston <laughs> date and you know, all the races that cascade from there. You know, many times for us, we do 20 to 23 week marathon training blocks, you know, where you're not necessarily in specific marathon mode the whole time, but you start building your fitness and your foundation that leads into that specific marathon block, you know, early in those cycles. And so we're really not that far away from having to turn our focused, our focus to those fall races as they've now been rescheduled too. And so we're, you know, we've really only got four to six weeks before it's time to, to look ahead anyway. And so we're not going to be in this, this limbo very long. And the two big road races. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Include, yeah. Including we're looking at Indy and CIM for the fall that are later than that. So, so that's that, that's the case, you know, keep, keep doing the work. As Jen said, work on your weaknesses, stay consistent, do what you can, because anything you do now is going to continue to be with you for many years to come. Let's talk a little bit about the how, you know, the kind of tips for staying motivated during this time. You know, you mentioned one big one, which is 
remembering your why. You know, this is also a good time if you haven't had the exercise of reflecting on your purpose. It's also a good time to reflect on that and maybe refine that a little bit. But remember why you do this, not just why you want a specific goal, but also why you run all together. That's certainly a good time to do it. Another kind of tip here for me is that in these moments where I have anxiety, where I'm tempted to look too far ahead, and you know this comes in the, in this the form of sometimes leading into a race, for example, where I don't know what's going to happen at mile 22, and it's easy to direct your attention, anxiety, and nerves towards that unknown at mile 22 when it's easy to go there. And I think for all of us, it's easy to go to that place of what's going to happen in one month, two months, three months, or four months. It's easy to go there and, and find just a void of uncertainty. In those moments, for me, I have to try to get really laser focused on what's right in front of me. And today, you know, it's minute by minute, day by day of, okay, what do I need to do right now in the next hour to help our community transition to this virtual world? And it extends to my running. What do I need to do today running wise to keep my progress, to begin laying the foundation for this modified block? And we just have to become laser focused on the now, what we can do in the very moment, because that's all that really matters right now. And especially with all this unknown around us. What say you to that, Jen? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think the, the other call I think is um, maintaining accountability, right? So, you know, I think that's, that's one of the biggest things that having a road team, you know, and having a road group that you go to is you, you have this built in sense of accountability to your running partners, to your coach, you know, to the broader road community. And, you know, as we go virtual, that gets harder, right? And I know that, um, you and the team are doing things so that we can bring our virtual group together. But I think even in the smaller groups, like pick one person on the team to be accountable to. And and that could be, it could be your coach. I know I had two athletes already it, that texted me by 8 a.m. this morning telling me that they had done today's workout, which was pretty awesome. Um, but also I've, I've told them, you know, pledge my accountability to them. So We've, we've already started on some of the strength work and I told them, okay, guys, anybody that wants to do the strength work, FaceTime me, let's do it together. Like if you, if you want to do it, we'll do it together. And so that's helping, right? Because we're still accountable to each other. Um, so I think that's the key. And then my, my other point is I'm a big checklist person. Uh, you talked about breaking things down into bite-sized pieces. I need a checklist and I feel good if I can cross things off my checklist. So if my checklist is, you know, four runs, two strength and one yoga, and I can cross off all of those, then I've, you know, I feel like I've succeeded that week. Yes, absolutely. You know, because, because it, I mean, it comes down to what's, what is on your checklist right now. I mean, and and those checklists are going to be day by day, week by week, probably not longer than that because there's too much uncertainty beyond. And so I think that's a good way to put it to everybody, which is just to ask, okay, what's on your checklist? And so let's talk about that. Let's talk about the checklist. What should be on our checklist? There's, and this is an important time 
you know, to not only be consistent and work on weaknesses, but in a sense to train still with the same rigor with which you would if you did have a race on the horizon. Workouts are still important. Balancing the stress and rest and having the appropriately paced, easy recovery runs, that's still important. Getting in your longer runs, still important. Even though those long runs may not be you know, 20 milers for, for those marathoners whose races have been postponed, it's still important to get those long runs in and, and then strengthen other things. So let's, let's talk about the checklist. You know, let's start with the running part of it and we'll kind of extend the discussion to the other one percents as well. But from a running standpoint, you know, to me, what your, your routine, you know, if you had a routine before all this went down, it shouldn't look that different than than now, assuming you're able to still get outside and run like we can most places. And so that checklist should include your long run. That checklist should include a weekly workout. That checklist should include a medium long run. That checklist should include a couple of recovery runs after your quality and long run days. That's five days. And for those that are doing more, might also include a couple of other easy runs but the checklist is basically from a running standpoint should have the same structure as it did just three weeks ago or two weeks ago when we were not in this current situation. And so try to maintain that routine as much as you can. I do think some long runs, you know, will end up being shorter than you need. I don't necessarily think if you're not going to do a marathon in the spring that you need to do 20 plus mile runs, but there is a case for still doing potentially 14 to 18 mile long runs for those that want to maintain that volume and be able to quickly transition back into a marathon focused program once, you know, once we flip over into fall training. But all the other runs are still important. And doing them at the paces you normally do them with the appropriate modulation from easy days to hard days is critical. Anything else on that part of it, Jen? No, the only thing I would add is, yeah, like with my group, what what we're doing is cutting back on mileage overall, but then adding in, adding in some light speed work into, um, into our runs so that we can keep some quality in there but it makes it more manageable. And I, I know that's what we're doing kind of uh, with the overall road community as well. But, you know, fartlets are just easy ways that people can mix it up and keep their routine, but also keep their runs interesting. Yeah. Cause the quality, the quality work is still important. You know, as you alluded, we'll be kind of moving towards some modified workouts to allow people to do things on their own, but you still need to be working all those speed zones, make sure those fast twitch muscles stay active and you're working different parts of the aerobic system, essentially so that when we do shift or when you do shift back into regular training mode, you're fit, you're ready, your foundation is solid so that you make that transition easily versus if you stop doing workouts and then you jump back into you know, a more rigorous program, that's going to be a challenge and could potentially lead to injury when you make that shift again. So keep that running routine. And if you need to put it in the form of checklist, I think that's the great way to do it. 
the and then the other elements, you know, this is a time I think to add if you're not already doing it, add strength into your program. We're going to be offering through our Rogue Virtual World a strength program that we've developed for a virtual environment where we've been using it for the base program that you've been doing. It's got videos, it's got basic routines and exercises, it's periodized so that you build from week to week with an initial focus on range of motion and getting to proper functional movement and then adding weight over time. These are things that can be done at home with just body weight or also with just some some very basic equipment if you might have that at home as well. So really simple stuff, but you know, as runners, we neglect all of these things. And, you know, this is a time when you're forced to, and maybe perhaps some of you have more time, you can, you can do it. And also maybe get the family involved to do it with you. I, I recently lost a, a bet of sorts and <laughs> was forced. This was associated with the fantasy football league that I'm part of. I did well this season, but I lost a bet last season essentially and had delayed too long because I was in more normal training to actually pay out on the bet. But a part of the as a part of the bet, I had to do some some NFL combine drills. So I had to run a 40-yard dash, I had to do this three-cone agility drill, and I had to do push-ups and some other things. And and so I did that last week and sent the videos to my my friends that are in this fantasy football group and one of the things i realized in watching my video especially of the three cone agility drill which you know to try to describe it best it it was sort of like a storefront mannequin trying to do an nfl based agility drill that's 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 sort of the uh the video what the video looked like even though the mannequin was me and it was just it was a sign for me as an athlete that I've spent way too much time moving in two dimensions forwards and backwards or really mostly forwards as a runner and a reminder that it's time especially as I go into this next phase of training for me that I got to work on agility athleticism range of motion strength and so this is going to be a good time for me to reset on those elements. And I encourage everybody to be doing the same. We'll have a routine for people. But as you said, there's lots of people that are posting routines that you can do at home in a really easy way. So look out for that. It's scary stuff to kind of wade into when you haven't been doing it. But it's so important. And I will just uh clarify because you just moments ago called this uh, strength and flexibility a strength program that Travis has created as simple stuff while <laughs> in theory it is simple I guarantee if you try I was sore for three days the first first <laughs> time so it is quite simple but not easy simple but not easy yes simple to execute but it is not easy and um, rogue should tread into it cautiously because you will be sore because we just don't do this kind of movement Yep. Yeah. And we have it scaled by week and the encouragement is to do each week and progress as you can. So you can repeat weeks as you need to, to make sure you're comfortable and we'll make sure everybody has all the tools they need to execute that. And of course we'll have coaches that can help answer questions. So that's one thing, you know, another thing 
that I'm also going to be taking advantage of is an opportunity, even though, you know, I don't prefer this because of changing routines is hard, but just to get more sleep, you know, I've been able to already do this a little bit this week, just to sleep a little bit later than I would normally sleep run at different times. And that may not be possible for everybody given whatever situation that they're in, but this may be a time where you can get some sleep, maybe get, get some naps in and potentially allow your body to recover even more from the work that you're doing than you have before, as well as of course, just to recover from all the stress that we're facing. There's sleep, there's foam rolling. There's a lot of things that we can be doing that, you know, sometimes we might normally neglect because we're forced to and we all we can do is stay home instead of going out to restaurants and hanging out with friends. Anything else on your list from that? Yeah. You know, the other thing that I had was I think that this is a time when we really are um, testing our mental ability and the, and the mental challenges of running and our sport, you know, half marathon, marathon in particular are such um, so much about a mental, you know, having a strong positive mental attitude in order to be able to, to succeed in that race. And I, I think this too is yet another opportunity. I mean, this is really testing the mental challenges of running. It's a great time to work on our mental game um, and using some of the, you know, tips and tricks uh, that we pull out in order to to overcome some of those mental challenges when either we just, we don't want to do it or we don't feel like it or we don't think we can. Um, yeah. So I, I think the mental game is a real opportunity right now too. For sure. We have to practice being present. <laughs> That's for sure. And for some that might mean, you know, spending some of this time downloading the Headspace app, doing meditation, staying focused on, the right now as much as possible, which is only going to help us get through this. So completely agree with that. Um, and you know, and and keep your checklist. I mean, I like your checklist point and that, you know, to me, it's like a, it's a daily checklist. It's a weekly checklist. Probably can't think beyond that. So when you get to the end of this week, create your next one. And over the next two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, eight weeks, we don't know how long we're going to be in this situation. If you keep cobbling together good days and then good weeks, then you're going to put yourself in a strong position to shift into whatever training mode you need to once we get beyond this. Not to mention you'll be fit, you know, at the same time. And and so I think, you know, that kind of begs the next question, which is, okay, what do I do with this fitness? You know, are there other ways I can get excited about a goal? And you know, I think there are some of those, you know, there's a, a list of virtual races floating around, which, which Matt Chittam has put out as a part of the Rambling Runner podcast. I will include that link on the show notes. We've also had the idea from one of our coaches to, you know, have some virtual Strava based segment challenges that might happen over a period of a week with your running buddies to go tackle a certain segment and see how you can do and compete against each other. You know, there are ways that we can in a socially distanced world still compete. You know, you could always find a, 
an empty track or a flat road loop and go do a two or three mile time trial if you want to test your fitness at any point during this journey. There are other ways to see how you're doing and to track your progress or maybe to give yourself a goal that can be achieved in a virtual way. And so I'd also keep those things in mind is you don't have to just be looking ahead. You can also find other ways to to create short-term carrots for yourself that might be really scary because the idea of a three-mile time trial is always scary for me personally. But, you know, through something like that, you can grow in in some pretty serious ways. So, you know, so those are some other things to consider as a way to stay motivated beyond the things that we've already talked about. All right. Jen, anything else as we kind of wrap up this segment and move towards the conclusion here? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think the, the, you know, the only thing that everyone knows I'm, you know, usually look at things with a, with a rosy outlook or rosy attitude, but I think we just have to look for the opportunity in this. I know it's frustrating. I know it's challenging, but I do think there's a lot of opportunity and we're probably going to find some new ways of, of, running our business, of making training more fun, more interesting, more connected. Um, So I think it's just looking at what the silver lining is that's going to come out of it. Yes. And this too shall pass if we rally together and support each other. So completely appreciate those words. As we wrap things up for those rogues that are listening, you know, you'll be getting more information from your coaches and from, uh, from us through our rogue nation, Facebook page, as well as through our member page and your coaches emails on what's to come this week as we get information out there. We've got a couple of workouts coming to you this week that you can execute on your own, an 800 meter workout, as well as a, a fartlek that we've that we've hijacked from Kara Goucher that she has used in her training that you can execute really on any course. You'll get that information from your coaches. We've also got it posted in the Rogue Nation Facebook page so you can execute that as you can this week. And then within the next day or two, we'll have your the strength program that I mentioned out to you as well. So stay tuned for all of that. And if you have questions, please do ask of your coaches or via the Rogue Nation group. Or you can also email me directly or any of our leadership, Carolyn, Brent, Jen, Mitch in Dallas and New York. We will help you through this as best we can. For those that are not in our community, If you'd like to join, if you think this virtual community would be helpful for you during this time, I'll have a link for you to join us in the show notes as well, because we'd love for anybody who wants to train with us during this time to jump on board and become a part of this this Rogue Nation that we're very, very proud of. I will keep doing weekly podcasts for our members that will be exclusive to them. This one is going to everybody, but then I'll have a member-only podcast continuing in our new virtual world at least as long as we need to. But I'll have other, starting next Monday, other podcasts coming with other content for everybody else as well. So don't, don't, uh, don't think for a second that the Running Rogue podcast is going anywhere during this time. And hopefully I can be helpful and provide you an outlet to be entertained and informed while we're all waiting this out. So with that, we'll wrap it up. Thank you, Jen, for joining me. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks to all of you for listening 
check out all of those links I mentioned in the show notes. Otherwise, you can find out more information about Rogue at roguerunning.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next week, we will talk to you soon.